we thank you for the prayers that have been prayed, the songs that have been sung. We thank you for those that have taken time out of their schedule to come and celebrate with us in glorifying and magnifying your name. We thank you, God, just for an opportunity to bless you this day. We ask that this word is declared that it will touch us and that it will cause us to move in a direction that you have called for us. And God, that we will glorify you in all things. We thank you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. All right, we are in episode number two of our series, The Content Life. And I want to talk about the power of attitude today. When we talk about contentment, we've brought out the fact that contentment doesn't mean that you are comfortable staying where you are, but what it means is the fact that I'm okay where I am because I have Jesus. And having Jesus where I am is better than not having him where I'm trying to go. So I'd rather stay where he is than try to go someplace on my own. Oh, y'all don't want to agree with me? Oh, that's all right. Okay. I'm a little raspy, so y'all y'all leave me hanging. But that's all right. Don't worry about it. It's all good. I want to talk about two different people today. Well, actually, three. The first person I want to talk about is called a Pharisee. A Pharisee, I know y'all have heard of them in the Bible. If anybody's heard anything about the Bible, Pharisees are some of them folks that get talked about a lot. They were the religious leaders of the day. And the word Pharisee in itself means those folks that like to be separate from everybody else. The Pharisees were the guys that had decided that they were going to hold on to not only the Torah, which is the first five books, or the Pentateuch, whichever way you want to talk, the Pentateuch, I mean, whichever way you want to talk about it, but there's also they wanted to keep the tradition of the oral law, the things that were said. They wanted to keep it locked in. They wanted to make sure that we continue to follow the oral law. They believed in the immortality of the soul. They believed in resurrection of the dead. And they believed that if you were not in the right position, that you were going to receive punishment in the afterlife. And they believed that your punishment was based upon how you currently lived your lives. Now, in Jesus' day, the Pharisees had a little issue of making sure that they externally practiced what they believed. So they were always concerned about how things looked instead of how they were inwardly. If y'all remember the story of Samuel when God told him to go select a new king because he had left Saul. He said, hey, go and find 
me a king. In fact, go to Jesse's house. And Samuel goes and Jesse lines up his seven sons that he had present. And the first son, he looks at him, he says, oh, this guy looks really good. Let me go ahead and get ready to anoint him. God says, no, this ain't the right one. And he told Samuel, he says, man looks on the outside, but I look at the heart. And so we see that these Pharisees were very big on how they looked. Now we have some people today that have a Pharisaic attitude. They're concerned about making sure that their appearance looks what they have deemed to be holy and righteous. Now, <clears throat> when I was growing up, I thought that when folks said holy, they meant that you had holes in your stuff. I didn't understand that they were talking about a state of being in a godly manner. So I would be sitting in church and they would say, we got to live holy. And I was like, I won't put no holes in my clothes because I don't think that would look presentable. But the way some folks live holy today, they do have a lot of holes in their attitude. They have holes in their conduct and they have holes in, a lot of folks today have holes in their jeans and they buy them with the holes in their jeans. I don't understand that either, but why don't you just buy some good jeans and then go cut them yourself and then, you know, you could have saved some money because they're going to charge you more after they put the holes in them. Okay, sorry, I got off the track. But anyway, it's my voice, not, not the rest of me. I'm still me. All right. The other thing about the Pharisees, the Pharisees were the worst prosecutors. They were always finding Jesus doing the wrong stuff. <coughs> they were always attacking Jesus. They were always trying to take Jesus and put him into the confines of who they thought he should be. And so, Pharisees. The other folks that I want to talk about today are the publicans or the tax collectors. Now, Tax collectors back in that day were some of the worst people that you could imagine. I don't know if you've ever got behind on your payment and it had to go into default and they turned it over to a collection agency. I, I, well, let me say this. When I had some stuff going to default, and they turned it over to a collection agency. I had a person that called me at my house two or three times a day. This is before these laws came out. Then they would call me at work. Then they would put stuff in the mail. And they would harass you at every opportunity to try to pressure you into repaying your debt. So nobody likes folks that take up collections today. But let me tell you, these tax collectors back then was even worse than that. And they were hated because they were oppressive and 
Not only were they oppressive, guess what? They got to make up their own taxes. Now, I know some of y'all, if y'all have ever seen the movie Popeye, the movie Popeye with Robin Williams, when he first walks into town, he meets the tax collector. And he says, that's, that's a getting off the ship tax. And he, he says, there's a walking across the street tax. Everything that Popeye did, this tax collector in the movie had a tax for that. That's kind of how these tax collectors were. Now, the Roman Empire, the conquering empire, had a amount of taxes that they had to get, but they were able to add a little extra so that, in order that, they could put a little bit in their own pocket. So nobody liked the tax collectors. Now, did I mention to you that the tax collectors wasn't Romans? The tax collectors weren't Greek. The tax collectors was Hebrews. It was their cousin from around the corner. It was their friend. Their Romans would make the tax collectors a part of the people so they knew the people. And so they were able to extrapolate the money. And so they had all these taxes and nobody trusted them and they were dishonest and Every, they said the only thing higher or better than a tax collector, the only thing better than a tax collector was nothing. I mean worse. I'm sorry. I said better. But the only thing worse than a tax collector was nothing. No, tax collector was even worse than a Samaritan. And you know they didn't like the Samaritans. They hated tax collectors. And I mentioned to y'all that uh, Jesus had a tax collector on his board of directors. Yeah, he had, he had one. So you know the Pharisees really didn't like him. They thought that the tax collectors, the publicans were in allegiance with the pagans, the Romans, and that they were seeking to destroy the country. So with that said, let us look into our scriptures for today. Because I had to set this up so you can get an understanding of the scriptures that we're getting ready to look into. We're going to be in Luke, the 18th chapter, starting at the 9th verse and finishing with the 14th. And then I'm going to jump into the Old Testament just for a moment, just to bring this all home and together so we can call it a day. Luke, the 18th chapter, starting at that ninth verse, the English Standard Version says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes to all that I get. 
But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisee walks into the temple, and I'm quite sure he walked all the way up to the front of the sanctuary and stood in a very prominent position where he would have the appropriate amplification so that everyone could hear his voice. And I believe the Pharisee started off good because he says, God, I thank you. But after he said, God, I thank you, everything else went downhill because he began to belittle and he began to uh, talk about how good he was of himself. And he tried to make it be like he was all that in a bag of chips. Now we can all say things like bless the Lord and hallelujah and God I love you and all that but just like God told Samuel I want to remind y'all today that it don't matter what you say because God knows your heart. It don't matter what you wear because God knows your heart. And so our responsibility is to ensure that our heart is right. <coughs> God says that these people come near to me with their mouth. But their hearts are far from me. They make it sound like they're close to me, but their hearts are not nowhere close. Their worship is only based upon their human perception, and they have not a relationship with me so that their worship is true. This Pharisee is focused on his position and his title and he wanted to flaunt what he perceived as being pure because he fasted twice a week and that he gave a tithe of all he owned and because of that he felt that he was better than everybody else. But I want to tell you that God looks on the heart. We see that the tax collector barely walked into the sanctuary. And the only thing that he could say was, Lord have mercy. That's all he could say. Because once he reflected on what he was doing to his people and how he was treating people and he realized he was not in a good state of affairs. So he said, Lord, 
have mercy. So one of the takeaways that we could get from this is our worldly positions and our possessions can easily keep our minds from seeing what is truly important. And then I knew I wasn't going to get an amen on that. <coughs> but we're talking about having this mindset of being content no matter where you are or what you're going through because you know that Jesus has you. And sometimes we get so focused on things that we miss everything else that is going on. And sometimes the things that are going on are more important than the things that we're focused on. Lord, touch our hearts and our minds that we will know. Sometimes we get so locked into what we're going through that we don't see God's glory coming in and taking us out. And so we don't have a vision for being better or in a better place. So we just stay where we are and just believe that this is all that we have. Let's jump over to the Old Testament. I'm going to talk about Jonah. If anybody been to church, been to a Sunday school class, you probably done heard about Jonah. Some folks get famous for doing good things and then you get Jonah. Jonah gets famous for being a hard head. Jonah was told to go and preach to the folks in Nineveh. Jonah was a bit of a bigot. He ain't like the Ninevites. And he said, I ain't preaching to them because I don't like them. I want them to die. So God says, Jonah, I want you to go east to Nineveh. Jonah said, I'm going west to Tarsus. God had to correct Jonah. Finally gets him to Nineveh. Jonah walks into the city and preaches to the folks and the folks hear the words of Jonah and repent. When the king hears the, of Nineveh hears the words of Jonah, he says, we're going to go on a fast before the Lord. He told the farmers, everything going to fast. Even the animals going to fast. Ain't nobody eating for these three days. Because they were so contrite about what they had done. So we get over here to chapter 4. After the Ninevites have repented. Which means to turn away from the direction that you were going in. And going in a new direction. And in Jonah chapter number 4. Starting at verse number 5. It says this. Jonah went out the city and sat to the east of the city. And made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he could see what would become of the city. Jonah still wanted him to die. 
Now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said it's better for me to die than, he li than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? He said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh for that great city in which there were more than 120,000 persons who did not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. So Jonah still had his attitude, so God had to give him a life lesson. <coughs> so he's sitting out in the sun. Now, I will tell you, in that area, it can get up to about 115, 120 degrees in the sun. It ain't really that hot. It just sounds hot, but it's not really that hot. Unless you stay out there for four or five hours, then I think your head might start hurting a little bit, especially if you ain't drinking no water. But he's out there, and God causes this plant to grow over him to shade him, and he's all happy because he's still watching for them to die. And then the plant only stayed up for one day, and the next day it died. And instead of Jonah saying, man, I wonder why the plant died, he just got upset that it was no longer protecting him. And say, God, you just might well kill me because it's so hot out here. And he said, why are you angry with the plant for dying? Why can't you celebrate the fact that it had did something for you? He says, just like you got this attitude with the Ninevites, but there's 120,000 people that have now repented and are now serving me after what you have proclaimed. We got to get our focus right. We have to get our minds right in order for our hearts to be right. Jonah was acting just like the Pharisee in the temple. He deemed that the Ninevites were beneath him and that if it wasn't for the fact that he got tossed in a ship and had to be in the belly of a fish, he wouldn't have never said nothing to them jokers. And even after he preached and knew what was going to happen, he still had an attitude. He got mad at God for having mercy on Nineveh. Didn't even care about the people, but was upset that the plant that was keeping the sun off of him died instead of the people. 
and then was still waiting for God to destroy the city and said, I'll just die with the Ninevites. But God wasn't killing them. Now, both Jonah and the Pharisee did start off with a good thing. They both thanked God. But after that, the wheels fell off the bus. They both felt that their position and who they were provided them with the authority to have attitudes on how they should be treating these lesser people. They tried to block God from being a blessing to those that they thought were less than them. But true gratitude focuses on God. And as it focuses on God, it causes us to reflect his goodness. And as it reflects his goodness, it guides people to him. Have y'all ever been outside playing on a hot day? And somebody walk around the corner with an ice cream cone. No, let's do it. They walk around the corner with a bomb pop. And they just licking on that bomb pop. And you just looking at them like, man, where's the truck at? This is the same thing that God, when God has done something good for us, he wants us to reflect it. So it causes other people to want not what we have, but something similar to what we have so that they can have the same enjoyment that we are having. That's what God wants. We have to build up this attitude that we are content knowing that Jesus is in us, knowing that he has our back no matter what situation and because we're walking in this content life that everything is going to be well with us. So we can take today and we can stay focused on the things that make us better than everybody else. Or we can focus on the God of all flesh and begin to be an outreach, a point of influence that touches everybody else. And I believe that is what God wants us to do. That we will touch lives for his glory. That we will cause people to become better citizens of the kingdom of God because they are following the example that we are setting, that he will be glorified in all things. So today I want us to think about, of those three, the Pharisee, the tax collector, or Jonah, which one would we like to be? Now, for the smart aleck in the group, you got to be one of them. But which one would you rather be?
Now, I know y'all saying, well, I know you want me to say the tax collector, but I don't want to be the guy that nobody likes and talk bad about me. And all. They talk about you anyway, so don't, don't even worry about it. As soon as you walk away, they're they talking about you, so don't even worry about it. But when you have an opportunity to spend time with God, are you telling God all the things that you did, or are you saying, God, I want you to make me better? So that I can be a better witness for you. And I can reflect you in everything that I say and that I do. That is my desire. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. That challenges us to walk in a mindset of contentment. That no matter what we're going through, that our focus should be on giving you glory. And if we have not been doing that, God, we ask for your forgiveness now. And we repent, we reorient our direction so that we will follow after you in all things. That we will reflect you in all things. And that you will be glorified in all things. So, God, we thank you now for your word. And give us the heart of that tax collector who declared and asked for you to be merciful upon him, for he had shortcomings. We thank you and we honor you for it. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.